Good morning, happy Sabbath. Or should I say good afternoon? It's noon already. Um, glad to be here this morning. Um, thank God that he have allowed us to see another day, another time, another uh, world's history events that are taking place today. Um, before we move on, let me, uh, can we close? If I can have a word of prayer before we open, open up. Let's pray, Father in heaven. We ask that you will come here this morning, this afternoon, Lord, and permeate this place, hide me behind the cross. What we may hear today may it cause us, Lord, to move with urgency, Lord, to help people to see that the time we're living in, Lord, is at hand and that Jesus is soon to come again. Now, Father... We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to direct us, and may we be willing to be led. In Christ's name, amen. 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 I want to turn your attention back to that scripture reading, one of the famous texts that many of us know already and and claimed it and love it. Uh, I long to see that day. How about you? First Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to begin with verse 15 through 18, and the Bible says this, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Amen. The story started off with a young lady who was asking her mother, uh, and it was during bedtime. And she asked her mom, this little girl, she said, I'm so lonely for my friend Jesus. When is he coming back, mom? The child could hardly know that her little heart's desire had been the longing for of all ages. And the final words of the Bible gave promise to the soon return. Surely, I am coming quickly. And John the Revelator, the royal companion of Jesus, asked, Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. To see Jesus, to unite forever with him, who loves us more than we can imagine. To have an end of all earthly suffering. To enjoy eternity with the resurrected loved ones, now at rest. No wonder that scene, Christ's ascension, his friends have looked forward to that day. And one day we will, he will come. Though even to the saints, his coming will be an overwhelming surprise. For all slumber and sleep and their long wait. And at midnight, in the earth's darkest hour, God himself manifests his power to deliver his people and the scripture describes the event of a loud voice comes 
out of a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And so the mountains, the, the mighty and the great earthquake have not been, uh, not occurred since men were on the earth. So the mountain shakes and the rocks are scattered everywhere. And the whole earth swells like a waves of, of the sea. Its surface breaks up and the cities of all nations fell. And every island fled out of the way, and every mountains were not found. And the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. Every mountain and islands were moved out of its place. Despite the chaos descending upon the physical world, God's people take courage as they see the sign of the Son of Man as he descends on the clouds of heaven. And every eye, and every eye sees the prince of life comes, and this time not as a man of sorrow, but as a victor and conqueror to claim his own. Crowns of thorns, he wears a crown of glory, and on that his robe, and on his thigh the name written King of King and the Lord of Lords. At his coming, this great despair grips those who have refused to acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord, and have rejected the calm of the uh, of the, the claim of the law of of these lives nothing makes the rejectors of his grace so aware of their guilt as the voice that had pleaded for i mean so patiently turn turn your eyes your evil ways for for why should you die o house of israel and so the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men commanders of, of the mighty men every slave and every free man hide themselves in the dens of the earth and the rocks and mountains and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? But the joy of those who have long looked for him overshadows the despair of the wicked. For the coming of the Redeemer brings so its glorious climax of the history of God's people. So in this moment, and their deliverance with a thrilling adoration, they cry out, Behold, this is our God, and we have waited for him, and now he has come to take us home. This is the Lord. We have waited and, and, the, and are glad, and we are glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so as Jesus draws near, he calls his sleeping saints from the graves, and commissions his angel to gather together his elect from the four winds. And so from one end of the heaven to the other, around the world, the righteous dead hear the voice and raised from their graves, glad moment. Then the living righteous are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So glorify and given the immortality. So together with the, the resurrection saints, they are caught up to meet the Lord in the air to remain with him forever. Amen. So the apostles of the early Christian consider Christ's return, the blessed hope. They expected all the prophecies of the promises of Scripture to be fulfilled at the second event. For it is the very goal of the Christian pilgrimage. 
All who love Christ look forward eagerly to the day when they will be able to share face-to-face fellowship with him and with the Father and the Holy Spirit and his angels. Certainly, at the second event is rooted in the trustworthy of the scripture just before the death of Jesus told his disciples that he will, will be returning to his father to prepare a place for them. And he gives them a promise. And if I go away to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. 1,000 years before Christ, the psalmist spoke of the Lord's coming to gather his people, saying, Our God has come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. And it is, it is the very, it is the very turbulence all around him. He shall call his heavens, he shall call to the heavens and from above and the, to the earth that may be judged his people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The, notice the guarantee that God gives us. The guarantee of the first advent provides the second advent is closely tied to Christ's first advent. If Christ had not come the first time and won the decisive victory over sin and Satan, then we would have no reason to believe that he will eventually come to end Satan's dominion to this world and to restore it to the original perfection. But since we have the evidence that he appears to put away sin by the sacrifice of, him, of himself, we have reason to believe that he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Amen. How many believe that? I believe that. Amen. And so if Christ would not have come, we would be doomed. But praise God that Jesus made a decision to come to this planet Earth in order to redeem us. And we, we ought to be, we ought to, we ought to have joy because of that, right, Dave? We, we ought to. We look, Ellen White says this, that we have nothing to fear in the future unless we forget how God has led us in the past. Where is our joy? As believers, as Christians, what has happened to us? We have allowed this, this pandemic to affect us. And people who are looking not only for the Savior, but they want to see Jesus in us. And one writer put it, uh, 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 Russell, I would rather see a sermon to hear a sermon. People are looking for true believers who not only call themselves Christians, but reflect the image of God. And so we are living in the last and final days. And I don't know about you, our signs are for telling us that Jesus is coming soon. And this is one of the manners of Christ's return. And as Christ spoke about the signs that would indicate that his coming was near, he also indicated the concern that his people not to be deceived by false claims. He says in the last days that men will become what? Lovers of themselves. And so he gives us a, a synopsis of what's going to take place. And when he says that in Peter... Yet they will become truth breakers and false accusers and incontinent. And so he gives us this list of things. 
But he says, but 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 the, but but they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. So Paul was not speaking of people in the world. He is referring to the church at large. So Ellen White said right before Jesus come that there's going to be two classes of people in the church, the wheat and the tares. And she said they will be at variance with one another. She said, I don't know about you. For me, specifically, I want to be a part of the solution but not part of the problem. What about you? Do you want to be a part of a system or a kingdom of people who seem to click together but create issues? Or do you want to be a part of people who come together to resolve issues, who are peacemakers, who are people who are striving for the mastery, for people who are who are trying to win people over for the cause of Christ? Because we have to understand that this gospel the Bible says it must be preached unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. And, and I remember, uh, ooh, my, that, that tells my age. <laughs> 33 years ago when I joined this church. Oh, boy, it don't seem to be that long. And, and I remember at that time there was 193 nations reached with the gospel. And we have just a little bit over 200 nations. And since that time in 1989, the Berlin Walls came down when Ronald Reagan and the Pope clasped hands. Did some of y'all remember that? It was on the front page that communism fell. And since that time, the gospel went into that part of the world. And so we, we are, we are nearing the end of the second coming of Jesus. And, and, and we don't know how much time we got left, but we do know one thing that his coming is near, even knocking at the door. And so Jesus calls for us. And see, the Bible says that it would be a literal, a literal personal return. It would not be private or silent. You know, has some teach that that is going to be this secret rapture that God is going to come here and take people secretly. Now, I just like saying uh, that's just like saying Ron. He, he, he you know, he's got to go to his own house, but he got to sneak in there. Now, why would Ron sneak in his own house? He owned the house. It's his house. He can go in there from the back door, uh, from the front door. He can even dig a hole in the roof and come in there. He don't have to come privately. And so Jesus owns this planet. He don't have to come silently. And so, and so Catholicism says, Francisco Ribora says, he, who was a Catholic priest who says that, that, that I take this last part of Daniel chapter nine. And I put it in the future, and I call it futurism, where, where Jesus comes and snatch people, and you don't even know that he came. Or you know that planes were crashing and buses were running, colliding into one another, and cars and boats were turned over because the, 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 the person that, that was in charge is no longer there, but they had vanished, they had disappeared. And this is one of the teachings by Catholicism. But the Bible tells us that every eye shall see him. There's nothing secret about this bill. And so even those who pierce him in the side, there's going to be a special resurrection for them. And so the Bible says that it would be audible. 
We will hear this great sound. This trumpet is sounding. Nothing, nothing silent, silent about that. And, and I think sometimes people get, get the text in Matthew chapter 5 mixed up. That one would be in a field and the other one taken. One grinding at the meal and the other one taken. And, and all that saying, specifically that ready or not, here I come. If you're not ready at his coming and then it's over for you. And you know, some of us back in the day when we used to play that game, uh, hide and go seek. You, you remember that? Some of y'all remember that? Huh? Where, where you, where, where you count, you count to ten and people go high and then you, and then you say, after ten, you say, ready or not, here I've come. I'm, I'm ready to go and look for you now. And so, so Christ gives us this, this glimpse uh, of what's going to take place uh, that that when he comes regardless of what you're in what 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 whatever you're doing whether you whether you're building whether you in uh, 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 in the business at the time if you're not ready then you'll be left behind in other words you will not be saved and so the glorious return when Christ returns, he comes as a conqueror with power and with the glory of the Father with his angels. And John the Revelator portrays the glory of Christ's return in the most dramatic, dramatic way. He pictures Christ riding on the white horse and leading the innumerable armies of heaven. This supernatural splendor of the glory of Christ at his appearance. And I remember... Probably about forty years ago, I, I I I used to I used to sketch, I used to draw, and I haven't done that in it's been a while, probably about almost thirty years now. And I remember having this dream, this vision one time, and I and I, and I remember that I, I went to bed one night and I had a vision of the second coming of the Lord, and I and I painted a picture of it, uh, Paul, where where I saw Jesus coming. Uh, uh, and I saw angels escorting him back to heaven. This is a true story, and I'm not making this up. And, and, and I saw millions of angels surrounding him coming back to this planet. And that was, that was, 30, that was, almost, that was like 40 years ago. And, and I st- it's still vivid here. I can still remember that, that, that his coming is, is coming, is, is near, even at the door. And at that time, we had many things that went on in our world today, in our, in our society at that time. And I know right now that, that, that history normally repeats itself. And we are, we are living in a time in that, 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 that it is going to get worse and worse. And the Bible says that when they say peace and safety, then what takes place? Sudden destruction. And so we see that this thing that people are so much afraid of, afraid of, and this is what most people are talking about, this thing with, with the coronavirus. For myself, specifically, I'm not afraid of this thing. Whatever may come, it's going to come, and you have no control over it. Yeah. Only God has control over it. And we always had diseases and germs and viruses ever since the fall of Adam. Since the fall of Adam, the world been affected by sin and by disease. And, and we don't have nothing to fear. And as Ellen White puts it, and I'm paraphrasing it this way, she said, we have nothing to fear in the future unless we forget how God has led us in the past. How many believe that? 
We don't have to fear anything. We don't. Because God is in control. He will see us through. And so if, if we're like unbelievers, then how can we bring people to Christ if we're so fearful like they are? Christ makes the same point by comparing his coming with an unexpected uh, 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 destruction of the antediluvian world by the flood. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Sounds like the same time we're living in today, doesn't it? Everybody's getting married, not just not just Adam and Steve, but 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 Adam and <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's getting married of the same sex. And, and, and look. I got a co-worker at the job, and a real nice guy, real nice guy. We, I talk to him all the time, and I was passing his office the, about a week and a half ago, and I looked up on his office, and I see a picture of him with another person kissing him of the same sex. I looked at it. I walked away, didn't say anything, because uh, we, we never know would have happened to a person because some people have been molested when they were kids. They've been affected by all types of things and, and, and they turn out to be that way. I, I, I had a good friend who brother was that way and, and, and that brother was molested by his uncle and unfortunately he died in that state because he continued to practice that kind of lifestyle. And so Jesus is... Jesus can save anybody who wants to be saved. I don't care what your lifestyle is or was in the past. God is able to sustain you and to keep you. And, and, and just like the Sabbath school lesson was talking about, Jesus is able to sustain us. I don't care what our hereditary traits was, our, uh, our uh, um, you know, hereditary traits and, and uh, cultivated traits, things that we had picked up from society. God can remove that thing and make us over. I believe that. Do you believe that? Oh, I believe that. But he's not going to do it by force. He must have our cooperation. And cooperation, you know, and, and I was reading something again that the writer says that it takes divinity in our, our, and our will to connect. If our will is not connected to the Lord, then Christ cannot do anything. We have to make efforts to overcome. And so whatever hereditary and cultivated traits you and I may have, if there's no effort involved, then we cannot overcome. And I, like I tell people, there's a reason why some people are not going to be saved. It is not because God does not have the power and authority to save you, because he does. But he's not going to save you beyond your will. He's not going to do it by force. Isn't that right, Mike? He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it by force. And so Jesus looks for those who are willing to give their will. And so there's a there's another event that has taken place. When we look at the story of Nebuchadnezzar, when we look look at the king Nebuchadnezzar who has a dream and could not interpret the dream, could not remember the dream, and we know there were four kingdoms what he dreamed about. And so we already we already in that time, Bill, when we when we because because Medo Persia is off the scene. 
Greece is off, uh, 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 Medo-Persia, and then the, then the, the second kingdom was, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember that. Here we go, hold on, hold on. So we got Medo-Persia, you got Greece and Rome, so I had it right. So Greece and Rome, and, and that was, that was uh, ancient Rome, but now we have modern-day Rome today. And so, so God, so God is reaching us through our systems, through our kingdoms, through our nations. And so, uh, 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 we, we, we are, we are heading towards the second coming of the Lord. And notice what the one writer says here, the second event of the human race says that Christ's second event will touch both the great division of humanity and those who have accepted him and salvation he brings to those who have turned from him. And then gathering the elects, the important aspect of the establishment of Christ's eternal kingdom is to, get, is to gather of all the redeemed to the heavenly home Christ has prepared a place for them. And so from Adam until the second coming of Jesus, he will redeem all of his who have who have made their calling and election sure, and so there and and Lord have mercy with the resurrection of the of the dead in Christ, and we read that text and it talks about there will be the resurrection of those who are in Christ Jesus. Number one, if you're in Christ Jesus at His coming, the Lord's the Bible says in First Thessalonians four sixteen that the Lord Himself should ascend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so our feet will not touch the ground. And so those who are living at the coming of the Lord, according to First Thessalonians chapter 15, verses 51 through 56, the Bible said they will be changed from mortal to immortality. So whatever disease you may have died with, whatever disease you are affected with, God will transform you. You will never have to worry about cancer anymore. You will never have to worry about medication no more or hospitals or nursing homes because some of us, we have lost loved ones to various things. I, I don't know uh, from all types of things, whether it's cancer, whether, whether it's heart disease, or whether it's diabetes, or whatever it was, and, 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 and people who have been blown to bits. God will gather them back together. I don't know how he's going to do it, Mike. I don't know how God is going to grab all those fragments. If a person been blown to bits and they knew Christ, or a person that's been beheaded, how he's going to do it, I don't know. But I, I don't have to know, but one thing I do know, that Jesus will, will bring us back together again. And so the Bible also says that the, that, that the translation of the living believers, when the righteous dead are resurrected, the righteous who are living on the earth at the second coming will be changed. For the corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. And as, at Christ's return, no groups of people takes precedence over any other believer. In other words, nobody's going to go to heaven without each other. 
Yeah, one time that it did happen when Jesus rose, the Bible says that he took captivity, that he took something to heaven. That was the first class. But the second class does not happen until Jesus comes back again. So when people die, they don't go straight to heaven. They go back to the death from where they come from. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the Bible says? That you go back to dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We hear it at funerals. And it always makes me wonder sometimes, and I've been to many funerals, when a, when a, when a, when a minister quotes those things and then he said, Oh, Sister Susie is going to heaven. Praise the Lord. I, oh, she went out there where her mother is at. I don't understand that. When the Bible said that, that, that when Jesus comes and, 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 and the dead in Christ is going to rise first. But the living saints will rise and meet the Lord in the air. And so if that takes place, then how, how could a person go to heaven already prior before Jesus come back? There's no need for him to come back if, he, if they're gone to heaven already. Isn't that right? If he came back and they already went to heaven, there would be no need for Jesus to come back. Have mercy. And then what a sad day it would be for the unbelievers. But the Bible says that, that they will be smite by the brightness of the coming of the Lord. It says that in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, the wicked. So when, we, when Jesus comes, there will be four classes of people. We have, the, we have the living saints, the dead saints, the living wicked, and the dead wicked. And so the, the, the living wicked will be smite by the brightness of his coming. And the dead wicked will remain dead until after the thousand year millennium. And so we see there, there are, there have been natural, uh, uh, signs of the world. Uh, and, and, and it talks about that. And, and one of the things was the moon. The moon not giving her light. Uh, let me, let me read that because I, I don't remember. Here it is. While the earthquake physical effects were a large impact on the thought of the time was just as significant. Many living then recognized it as a prophetic sign of the end and began to give serious consideration of the judgment day of God and the last day. The last been earthquake gave, uh, gave this study of prophecy. You, you, got, you remember that, right? Over 100,000 people lost their lives. They would expand it, that earthquake expanded from Europe to America. That was in 1780, I believe so. Let me read on. And so the witness of the sun and the moon, 25 years later, that the next sign mentioned in prophecy took place, that the darkening of the sun and the moon, Christ had pointed out the time of the fulfillment of this sign. Everywhere in scripture you see that, but Christ said that the tribulation that was to precede these signs would be shorter. Through the influence of the Reformation and the movement that grew out of it, the papal persecution was indeed shorter. So by the middle of the 18th century, it had, it had almost wholly ceased. The prophecy fulfillment it was on May the 19th, 1780, extraordinary, extraordinary darkness descended upon the northern part of North American continent. Recalling this event was Timothy Dwight, president of Yale University. He said on May the 19th, 1780, 
was a remarkable day. The candles were lit in many houses, and the birds were silent and disappeared, and the fowls retired to roost. A very general uh, opinion revealed that the day of judgment was at hand, and Samuel Williams of Harvard reported that the darkness approached with the clouds uh, with the clouds from the southwest between the hours of 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. and and continue until the middle of the next day, the next night, varying in degree and duration in different locations. In some places, persons could not see or read. Uh, a, a, a white piece of paper they would say in front of their face they could they couldn't even see that's how dark it was they call it the dark day then they gave the year of the the, the time that the stars fell from heaven um, and so uh, usually history repeats itself so there may be a time that that might reoccur right before the coming of the Lord and so in this second event it was a human race that, and it talks about, yeah, there's something I'm going to have to skip because of our time. I'm sorry. Because of our time. And it's a um, second event in human race. Yeah, wait a minute. Lost, I lost some of my notes. But anyway, um, anyway, we're gonna have to move on. Um, but anyway, praise the Lord that we're definitely, we're definitely in this time period that Jesus will soon to come again. We can see signs and wonders, and it and lets us know that Jesus is at the door, even knocking at the door, and so. There, the Lord is speaking to the church today at last. And he is calling for men and women and children to give their hearts to them. Because we don't know when the Lord is coming. All we know that the end is near. And even some of us may be here physically. But some who may be here physically but not here spiritually. And God is calling for us to come back to him before it's ever too late. So you don't have to be a part of those who just come here just, to, just out of habit, just out of tradition. But you can be a part of a system that is making, making a, a leeway. You can be a part of a, a system that is, that, is, that is a part of a kingdom that would go out and disperse this everlasting gospel. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, 14, that when this gospel has been preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. And so we know that Jesus is coming soon, and he's knocking at the door, and he's calling for us to remain faithful to him. And so my question is, are you willing to give your heart to the Lord? Are you willing to stay faithful to the Lord? Are you willing to find a resting place in Jesus and to lead others to the throne of grace? 
And if that's your desire this morning, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. If that's your desire, you want to say, Lord, I want to be faithful, and I want to stand with you. I know your coming is near, even at the door. I made some mistakes, but, Lord, I, I, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. And I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes. And bow your heads. Father, you see your people, Lord, making a commitment. They are serious, Lord, about giving their hearts to you totally. Some, Lord, may have drifted away, may have been coming here physically, Lord, but spiritually, Lord, they were somewhere else. And you are calling the church, Lord, Lord. And when you are speaking, you are actually speaking to the last day church. We have a work to do in such a short time. We have many people to reach, Lord, even some of our families and friends and people that we come in contact with. And we know, Lord, that Jesus is soon to come again. Signs are foretelling that his coming is even at the door. And so this afternoon, Father, we were standing, Lord, to make that commitment and say, Lord, we need you, and we want to run this race. And we realize that the race is not given to the swift, but the race is given to those that will endure until the end. So, Lord, give us that endurance power that we can be faithful servants of the Most High God, that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus. Lord, forgive us where we have fallen short, where we have made mistakes, Lord, where we have justified it, Lord. And this evening, Lord, we want to come and lay down our life. We lay down all of our sins, all of our shortcomings, and we ask that Jesus will come into our hearts and give us a new start, a new beginning, because we see that his time, we see that Jesus is coming soon. And we don't just want to use those words uh, lightly, Lord, just saying he's coming. But, but, but there is nothing to show. Uh, we, we have no eagerness, Lord. We have no, no power. We have no, but, Lord, we need your power to help us to stand during these last and evil days. We need your, your power, Lord, to share the everlasting gospel, Lord. We, 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 we die to self, Lord, right now, Father. We lay down our lives at the foot of the cross. And we allow you to do your surgical work to transform our hearts and to make us over that we can be witnesses for Christ. We have so many people, Lord, who are so afraid of what's going on right now, Lord, even within the body of Christ, frightened like little children. Forgot, Lord, that our daddy in heaven has provided us a way for escape. We have forgotten that our daddy in heaven who have given us direction, Lord. And so, Lord, may we walk in the light as he is in the light. The Bible says, and then we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we ask that you will answer those prayers according to your people. Now, Lord, we ask that you would give us 
Traveler Mercies, as we go from this place, but not from your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen and amen. Amen.